Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for Monday, September 14th. How is everyone doing this lovely Monday? My name is Eric, the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF 21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, even though I think I'm shadow banned somehow on TikTok. I have no idea how that stuff happens. Maybe my videos are just too goddamn good. I have no idea. But somehow I am shadow banned on TikTok, I think. So no one is seeing my videos. So it is what it is. But wow, what a first week in the NFL for a Sunday. Oh my God. I am not going to lie. I have never been so excited to see someone in my life than when Scott Hansen's goddamn good looking hair came on my TV. I mean, my old friend Scotty Hansen. And it was a very interesting. NFL first week. And the thing with the NFL first week is the stuff that happens the first week, people are naturally just going to overreact to going into the second week. I mean, hell, I'm overreacting with my Lions, and I'll get to that later because I'm going to go back. I'm going to give a little team-by-team synopsis of my little thoughts on everything. But you can always find great value going into week two, and I hope that's what we have to to do. not going to lie. Rough start yesterday. You know, we did hit two big dogs straight up, points and money line. But, you know, we lost four first half unders in the last minute. You know, had some bad breaks go our way. You know, is what it is. Learn, move on. But at the end of the day, I mean, I was up over 80 units in NFL last year. And I hope to get to that, hope to get to that next, this year. Which I I have all the confidence I will. So let's jump into it. I mean, the first game I'll talk about is Seattle. 38, Falcons, 25. I mean, Russ Wilson was 31 for 35, four TDs, 322 yards. If Seattle is serious about letting him air the ball out more and throw the ball more and not be so committed to the run, and this is the numbers we get from Russ week in and week out, I mean, if you guys picked him on your fantasy team, help. Kudos for you. I mean, in my initial rankings, if you guys follow me on Instagram and Twitter and even TikTok, I had him number one, and then I talked myself out of it. But my initial read of seeing the situation was right after week one. I mean, it looked great. Um, And also the thing is, Seattle's defense isn't that good this year. I know they got Jamal Adams. That was a great signing. He made some clutch clutch tackles, but... Overall, this Seattle's defense isn't that good. So since Seattle's defense isn't that good, Russell Wilson is going to be fantasy relevant, which is huge if you drafted him. In terms of the Falcons, I mean, everyone knows I was high on this Falcons team in terms of fantasy. I'm going to be betting a lot of their team's overs. Yeah, Gurley only had 14 rushes. But, I mean, you look at the... um, at the receiving, Jones, 9 receptions, 157 yards. Ridley, 9 receptions, 132 TDs. Gage, 9 for 113. Hurst, 3 for 38. This team's going to put up points because their defense is awful. And also, they play in, in, a con- in a division with Panthers, who have no D. Um, Saints, who they're going to be behind against. And Bucks, who they're probably going to be behind against. So... In terms of fantasy, yes, I like this team a lot. I think they're going to be relevant. In terms of actual football, this defense is a dumpster fire. Matt Ryan, second year in the offense, is going to put up huge numbers, which which he did. Um, 
basically, I'm going to be downgrading Seattle just because of their defense, and I'm going to be groundgrading Atlanta just because of their defense. I wasn't impressed about anything I saw. I know there was no OTAs. Like I said, I'm just going down and just giving you my initial reactions on each game. The next game, Ravens against the Browns. Ravens won 38-6. to And let me tell you guys something. When I, if you listen to me on the, <clears throat> excuse me, that's what G said podcast. I said the main thing for this Browns team is going to be if Stefanski can be the guy. What I learned from Week One that Stefanski cannot be the guy. That fake punt in the second quarter. What the hell are you doing? The game's still in reach. You have no idea. You have no reason to do that fake punt. None at all. No reason at all to do that fucking fake punt. But yet you do that fake punt. Why? That was just an idiotic call. An idiotic call. Then, on top of that, you have Nick Chubb, and he only rushes 10 fucking times. You have Nick Chubb. He rushes 10 times for 60 yards, and Kareem Hunt always touches him. On the goal line, you give the ball to Kareem Hunt, and he fumbles. I mean... If I'm Nick Chubb, I am furious because by far, he is the best back on that team. It's not even close in terms of running ability, running in between the tackles, getting the hard, hard yards and ball security, and he's on the bench? I mean, I am... I mean, the Browns are definitely going to beat the Bengals. I mean, I have all faith in the world on Thursday, but Jesus, what the hell was that i mean just some very questionable coaching moves by savansky i mean granted the game was never in doubt but just some of the stuff like this who's getting the touches who's getting the reps so after the first week i'm definitely downgrading my thoughts of the browns i mean play calling targets and touches distribution was very poor um (coughs) excuse me in terms of the Ravens, I mean, hey, the offense was clicking. But still, I mean, you look at their rushing. I mean, this was a blowout game. And Ingram only had 10 rushes for 29 yards. Lamar led him with 45 yards. So I really just don't know about this backfield. I mean, I do have a lot of questions. I think using Yoda on the offensive line is going to hurt him. Hollywood Brown had a great game, you know, five for 107. I mean, they look good. I mean, the Ravens, the Ravens look good. And the thing is now with them going to Houston, them looking so good and Houston looking so poor, there could be a little value in the Houston line. I'm not going to give away any plays, but, you know, that's something to be aware of. The next game... Bills beat the Jets 27-10. Here's the thing. It's, and shout out to the one guy on Instagram who said, I watch no Jets games, have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, who got a hard-on for three throws, Darnold makes a game. How the hell can you watch that game and say that Sam Darnold is an elite talent in the NFL? It blows my mind. Darnold gets so much of a pass. For being so not the guy. And at the end of the day, you have to be the guy in the NFL. He's going to get benched by the end of the season. I said it when Sterling and I did our breakdown. He's going to get benched by the end of the season. 
and this Jets team is a mess. You look at the rushing. You have Frank Gore and Le'Veon Bell, and yes, I know Bell got hurt. Both of them only had six rushes. That's not going to win the game. I mean, Crowder balled out. You know, we all know that Darnold loves slot. Crowder, seven for 115. In terms of the Bills, my this is my main issue with the Bills. You cannot be a good football team if your leading rusher is your quarterback. Josh Allen, 14 rushes for 57 yards. Singletary, 9 for 30. Zach Moss, 9 for 11. And that's my thing. Singletary and Moss need to be the ball handlers. Allen rushes way too much. His average per carry is that of a running back. And that's going to materialize over time. He can't take that many hits, guys. And then he is, accuracy is awful. There is one play, it was in the third quarter, he was rolling around. John Brown was wide open, and he completely overthrew him. Completely overthrew him. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close to him. How the hell is this going to be the guy that elevates you to the next level when he came and make that basic of a throw? To me, I mean, Allen is a complete wild factor in terms of how far this team's going to go. Diggs had a great game, 8 for 86. John Brown, 6 for 70 at TD. John Brown's that guy who always consistently puts up yards and touchdowns at the end of the year he's always up there but I don't know I'm still not as high on this Bills team as others I know people are getting excited but like I said you can't have your quarterback be your leading rusher and be a successful NFL team that's just not the way the world works um Raiders and Panthers 34-30 what I learned from this game Anytime, any running back against the Panthers is a bust play. That defensive front is awful. Is awful. Anytime you have a running back against the Panthers, that is an automatic start in DFS. If you're part of my team, Sunday morning, I'm going to kind of send you my core of who I'm building my roster around, and I'm going to send you some ideas. Excuse me. In my core was Joshua Jacobs, and... I mean, I won money in DFS yesterday just because Josh Jacobs balled out. Three TDs, 90 yards. You know, it was a, he, he played great. And 93 yards. 93, three TDs, four receptions for 46 yards. I mean, the kid balled out. And that question is, is what is the standout? Is it the Raiders' offensive line or the Panthers' defensive line? And for me, it's the Panthers' defensive line. I think that is an awful thing, and like I said, anytime you have that matchup, that's a matchup I'm going to attack in DFS. Uh, the Raiders' D still gave up 30 points to this Panthers offense, who I'm not that high on. I'm really not that high on this Panthers offense at all. McCaffrey, 23 rushes, 96 yards, only three catches were 38 yards. In that same write-up, I told you guys I'm fading McCaffrey. McCaffrey was $10,000 yesterday in DFS. And anyone that won money did not have him in his lineup. That is way too much money for you guys to pay for him. Um, for me, the thing that really stuck out for this was it was 30-some-odd seconds left, fourth and in inches. And you have McCaffrey, who some, I mean, arguably the best back in the game, if not the best back, top four, top three or five back in the league. And it's fourth and in inches. And do you run a QB sneak? Do you give the ball to CMC? No, you give it to your fullback who gets stuck. My whole thing is, when 
the game's in crunch time. I want my stars touching the ball. I want them making the plays. I don't want to have to rely on, and no offense to Amira, a second-hand player to make the play. I want my star to make the play. So I want a quarterback sneak from Bridgewater there, or I want to hand off to McCaffrey to see if he can get the tough yards. But it was less than an inch. Go under center, QB sneak with Bridgewater, and just have Amara just push him. I mean, to me, that was just an idiotic call by Brady, and I'm sure he's getting slammed in Carolina. Next game, Heartbreak City. I mean, up 20, Lions were up 23 to 6. And here's my thing. Here's my thing with Detroit. Now, everyone knows I'm a huge Lions fan. I'm a, I'm a Lions fanboy. I grew up in Michigan. Stafford is being wasted. I mean, if Stafford was on any team that had a competent GM, a competent coach, he would at least have two Super Bowls. What that guy is able to do with the lack of talent and the lack of coaching around him is freaking insane. It is insane. And yes, I know they lost Gallaty. Less I know Landon Collins got ejected for butting the head. Yes, I know the top our top corner was hurt. I know all that stuff, but still, the Bears have the worst offensive line in the league. You're up 23-6, to and you give up 21 points to the worst offensive line in the the league, and your coach is supposed to be a defensive specialist. This is the second year in a row where the Lions opened up the season, opened up the season, blowing a game, setting the tone for the season. Honestly, if they had a competent, competent front off staff, a competent owner, Patricia would be gone. He should have been gone during the offseason. And quite frankly, if I'm in that position... That game just showed me, with Patricia as the coach, they can't close the game. And he gets on the podium, and he says the same thing week after week, year after year after a loss. This guy has to go. He has proven he cannot coach at the NFL level. And hey, it is what it is. Some guys can't coach on the NFL level. And Patricia is fucking proving that. He cannot coach on the NFL level, which is a shame. Bears, I mean, look, at the end of the day... Trubisky is Trubisky. He's not going to put up Mondo stats, but he's going to compete, and he's going to put the Bears in a situation to win. I think the Bears still suck. I think their offensive line is a joke, and I think Nagy is an insane joke. But credit where credit is due. They came back. They won the game. Um, also, Swift touches the touch, drops the touchdown pass. Great call. Great, great play design. But anyone that listens to any of my stuff knows how high I was on Cam Akers. And how I thought if the Lions went back, they should have drafted Cam Akers. I will tell you guys this. Cam Akers catches that ball. Cam Akers catches that ball. Um, AP looked good. But, I mean, Lions season, I hate to overreact over week one. But, I mean, they're 4-12 and team. 4-12 and team after that. Um, now, the game that broke out and totally wrecked everyone's survivor pool. The Jags upset City 27-20 over the Colts. Oh, my God. What was that? Now, here's the thing. This is the thing that totally shocked me. I am so high on this Colts offensive line. And, yes, I know they had some injuries going into the game. But your leading rusher at 28 yards, Naheem Hines. And Jonathan Taylor had nine rushes for 22 yards. 
you by far have the best offensive line in the league, and you don't have a running back over 10 rushing attempts. Let that sink in. Just let that sink in, guys. You have the best offensive line in the game, and you don't have one rusher over 10 yards. I mean, they totally need to revamp that thing. I was high on Paris Campbell, six catches, 71 yards. You guys have to remember, you have to look at past stuff. In this offense before, Keenan Allen had a career year in the slot. Paris Campbell plays the slot for the Colts. So if he, of course he's going to get all these targets. So, I mean, that was a no-brainer. Um, yeah, Colts, Vikings, both teams 0-1. That's going to be a dogfight on Sunday. Early line is Colts minus three. Um, teams that go 0-2 statistically don't make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, two teams that had high aspirations are going to be in a dogfight come this Sunday. Um, in terms of the Jaguars, I mean, everyone's on Minshew. Minshew was 19 for 20 for 173 yards and three TDs. Uh, Robinson, 16 rushes, 62 yards. I mean... It was a stunner, but I want to put this more on the Colts and the Colts coaching staff for not putting the team in a situation to win as opposed to the Jags winning the game. Um, Yeah, it was totally, yeah, I mean, it's flabbergasting that the uh, Jags were able to do that. But, you know, this team is supposed to be tanking, and they competed for Monroe. I mean, I know they traded a lot of guys or cut a lot of guys. Maybe they just need the bad apples out of the room to get guys that actually brought into Doug Monroe because those guys compete for Monroe. Do I think he's the guy moving forward? No. But he has a lot of young guys. Those guys compete. And for a team that's supposed to be tanking for Trevor, you just beat one of the best teams in the NFL, a team I'm high on, a team I thought was going to make the Super Bowl. So props to Doug Monroe and the, and the Jaguars. Uh, one of our big dogs played... I mean, props to the Washington football team, 27-17 victory over the Eagles. The reason I added this game late, guys, was the offensive line issues. If you can't protect up front against a good pass rush, how the hell are you going to win? And the Eagles' offensive line, with all those injuries, is atrocious, and Carson Wentz is going to be taking a beating this year until everyone gets healthy. Um, So I just... It's just one of those things that that that's got to be better. Bart Scott, Boston Scott, excuse me. Everyone's little fantasy player with the news of Miles Sanders. Only nine rushes for thirty-five yards. Galbert led them in receiving eight for one hundred and one. You need more. You need more to Jackson. You need more to Ranger. You need more of a Ertz. Ertz three for eighteen. Three for eighteen for Ertz. Um, turns of Washington. Haskins played okay, 17 for 31, 178, didn't really let you up. Barber got the most touches in the backfield, 17 for 29, but Antonio Gibson, who I posted about way back in April, saying he was going to lead someone to a fantasy title, nine rushes, 36 yards, two targets. I think over time, Gibson is going to be that the alpha dog in that backfield. And also, where's Bryce Love? Everyone was talking Bryce Love, Bryce Love, Bryce Love. Where's Bryce Love? Where is he? So if I'm holding Antonio Gibson, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And also props to Ron Rivera. I mean, diagnosed with cancer, had to get an IV so he could continue in the game. I mean, mad props for him for, you know, going out there and getting that victory. They go on the road to face 
cards, which should be an interesting game. The next game, Chargers on the road defeated the Bengals 13-16. to uh, Nice little rally win for the Chargers. I really thought the Bengals were going to win this game. Um, they had that call go against them in the fourth when Green pushed off, which he did. But I'll tell you what, Burrow let him down there. Burrow put him in a position to win. And for a rookie quarterback to do that against the Chargers defense, which is one of the better defenses in the league, that was damn near impressive. That was damn near impressive for that rookie to drive them down the field and do that. So props to him. Props to him. He's proving he was the real deal, and it was a good pick taking him. Mixon, 19 for, 19 for 69, had that costly fumble, though. Uh, A.J. Green, 5 for 51, proving to be the number one target. Really thought you'd get a little bit more out of Higgins. Higgins, nowhere to be found on the stat sheet. Um, so the Bengals are going to be interesting. I really think they're going to be a team that's in a close, a team that's in a lot of the games and everything. Um, in terms of the Chargers, Eckler 19 for 84, Kelly 12 for 60. It's going to be interesting to see how these rushing attempts break out. Kelly was the goal line back and the short yardage back, which I preluded to in the off season. I didn't think Eckler was going to be that guy. Eckler only one catch for 39, three yards, one catch for three yards. And if Eckler's not catching the ball, his fantasy value's gone. Um, Chargers did suffer a loss on defense, though. Oh, my God. I am spacing on the kid's name. Broken ankle. I mean, the Chargers always get this bad luck with all these injuries. So, hopefully that will... uh, Hopefully they'll be able to rebound. But, yeah, this Chargers team, this is going to be the kind of game they play. Grind it out. Score in the teens. They're not going to be a high-scoring team. Bucks... 23, 34 losses to the Saints. I mean, come on. Does this really surprise anybody? All this hype about Brady. Brady this, Brady that, Brady this, Brady that, Brady this, Brady that. You go into Drew Brees' house, and this is what's going to happen. Offensive line looked awful for the Bucks. They really need to get that in tone. Brady can't take many hits. Um, you know, Godwin, clearly the alpha, working the slot. Six, six receptions off seven targets. Uh, Miller, sneaky little game for Miller, 5 for 73, 6 targets. And OJ, was that an OJ Howard sign I saw? 4 for 36. So the Arians offense looks a little different. The tight end factor a little bit more into it. Usually the, the tight end doesn't factor in at all to the Arians offense. So OJ Howard could be interesting. Ronald Jones led the backfield with 17 rushes for 66 yards. Fournette only 5 carries for 5 yards. I do expect Fournette to eventually take over that role. I mean, Fournette's just better, a better player overall than Jones. So once he gets more accustomed to the offense, he's definitely going to be the alpha in that backfield. In terms of the Saints, Drew Brees, 18 for 30, only 160 yards. Uh, you know, Kamara, 12 rushes for 16 yards, really earning that paycheck. But he did lead him in, in catches. And that's the one thing with Kamara. Kamara, for me, is going to be a DFS play now and then. That's why I didn't want Kamara in season long. I'm not going to take a top 10 pick on a guy that's not going to be rushing for 1,000 yards, like I said numerous times in the draft guide. And what? here's the thing, and it happens every year, Taysom Hill. Why the flying fuck is Taysom Hill on the field? Why? Why is he on the field? Taysom Hill's on the field too much, getting touches way too much, shouldn't be getting touches. I want Drew Brees, Michael Thomas... And Alvin Kamara leading me in touches. And speaking about Thomas, 3 for 17 and only 5 targets. 
Was that because the Bucks' defense was so good, or him and Breeze got in that little argument in the offseason? It's going to be interesting to see moving forward how many targets Thomas actually gets because he led the league in targets and only getting five targets after the first game against a team historically you have lit up. That is very interesting. Maybe it's just me being a conspiracy theorist and reading into it. Hey. Uh, the other dog we hit, we hit the Cardinals plus the points and the money line. They got it done 24 to 20. The main thing that stuck out to me, and again, you know, all these people, I say my stuff and then stuff happens. And everyone doesn't say, oh, wow, you called that out. But beforehand, you know, I get called an idiot. That game showed me Garoppolo's not the guy. Garoppolo was awful in the second half. I mean, even in the fourth quarter, he threw the ball into triple coverage. You got a phantom flag to put him down in scoring position. Garoppolo needs to be better for this team to be better. Mozart, who I talked about earlier, 15 for 56. Letterman receiving four for 95. I really feel if the 49ers want to be the 49ers of last year, Mozart needs to be touching the ball 20 to 25 times, just rushing. Just rushing. If you're not giving him the ball just rushing, then you seriously need to reconsider the touch distribution because he's by far the best running back they have and he needs to get touches. So defensive-wise, you know, they still have holes in the secondary and I really think they're missing DeForest Buckner. Arizona. Arizona. I mean, Murray let him down. Murray let him down to the victory. You know, he had 13 carries for 91 yards, 26 for 40, 230. D-hop. 14 for 153. I mean, anytime he was under duress, he was, he's got the, Murray's got the security blanket in D-Hop. Anytime they needed a first down, needed a play, needed anything, he looked at D-Hop. And D-Hop has some of the best hands in the NFL. I really thought it would take a little bit of their timing would to connect and everything, but I was wrong on that. When I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to admit it. So I was wrong on that. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it at the end of the first half. D-Hop caught the ball, put it down. Fitzgerald runs over, picks up the ball, gives it to center. That play allowed them to get a field goal before the end of the half. And that's what makes Larry Fitzgerald great. These little things he does. And if they don't kick that field goal at the end of the half, I don't even know if they win the game. Um, And then lastly, I mean, it is what it is, but Jesus Christ. This was my reason I didn't like the Cowboys. Cowboys 17-20 to losers at the Rams. Elliott, 22 rushes, 96 yards. Cooper, 10 for 81. Zach Prescott, 25 for 266. In my eyes, this is a game that the Cowboys should have won. I just really feel that with the issue the Rams have on the offensive line, they need to do a better job getting to Goff. They needed to do, and I mean, because Goff was only sacked one time. They, you know, they just needed to do a better job defensively and even offensively. I mean, I would just pound the ball with Zeke. I know they have all these targets and everything. They got Cooper, Lamb, Jarwin, who got Herb, Gallup. But I would still, at the end of the day, Zeke's got to be the face of that offense, and you just got to pound the ball with him. Um, In terms of the Rams... Malcolm Brown led him in rushing, which I found a little interesting. I really thought it was going to be Akers. Hopefully, Akers gets it going. He had only had 14 for 39 uh, and only one target. Bobby Trees, six receptions for 105. With how that game started, I really thought he would have more. I mean, I'm going against Trees in uh, 
in DFS. Goff, 20 for 31. Goff really doesn't impress me that much. Like, I just think he's another dude in the McVay system. I really think any quarterback back there would have good production. And I'm not going to name out this quote-unquote fantasy football expert, but this guy called me an idiot, called me a dumbass. Every word in the world, he talked up to me how Daryl Henderson was going to be higher up on the depth chart than Cam Akers. Daryl Henderson had three rushes for six yards. Played one series. Where you at, buddy? Where you at? So that's kind of my reaction to week one. Um, in terms of where I was right and where I was wrong in DFS, my build was Newton, Jacobs, DK, and Doyle. Okay, obviously Newton and Jacobs hit. DK had an okay game. Doyle was a non-factor. Um, I said you wanted to pair Metcalf. You wanted to run him back with uh, Ridley, Gurley, Jones, Hurst, or Gage. I mean, Ridley, Jones, and Gage, they put up numbers. Hurst and Gurley, not that much. Total fade on CMC, which I was right. I said use Boston Scott in one lineup. Be careful. He would be over-owned. That's why we didn't want too much exposure to him. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. And historically speaking, he is a top five wide receiver when Galladay is out. But four for 55, that really doesn't do anything for me. Pay down for defense. I mean, hell, the guy that won the Millionaire Maker had the Washington defense going. So, I mean, that strategy moving forward will be effective. I said play Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and Delvin Cook were all good. All of them did great. Minnesota is different this year. They are historically weak on defense, which is not the norm for them. And whoever the lead wide receiver is against that secondary, I'm going to be attacking. So you guys got to remember that. Um, And then Green Bay against the run, not that good. So, I mean, obviously, Adrian Peterson this week coming in is going to have some fantasy value. Uh, I said Demir Bird was this week's sleeper. Oh, my God, I could have been more wrong. Zero targets. I mean, Patriots pounded the ball with uh, with Newton Moore. Oh, did I I think I totally skipped over that game by mistake. Oh, my God, did I totally skip over that game? Oh, my God, I did. Um, Real quick, let me rewind. Uh, let me just go over that. I mean, this is going to be how the Patriots look. I mean, they're not going to let Newton throw the ball for over 25 25 times. He only threw it for 19. They're going to be a lot more RPOs. And, uh, you know, I expect Michelle to be more in the 20, more in the 15 to 20 carries. And, um, yeah, I mean, just play good defense, grind it out, you know, a 21 to 10 victory. That's going to be the type of the team for the Patriots. The Patriots are going to play. Um, now let me track, let me retract Bird. Total nightmare. I mean, not even on the field, not even getting targets. I really thought Zach Moss would get more touches. Like I talk about when I, like I said, when I was talking about the Bills, he's got to be the alpha. He's got to be the lead. You can't be a successful football team when your quarterback is leading and rushing. It's just not going to work. Um, and I said I liked Eckler. You know, he had 19 for 81, so he did okay. But I'd really want a touchdown. Really want some more receiving out of the backfield, which I really would have thought I would get. So, I mean, most of them are right. You know, I had a couple I just totally missed on, like the Marvin Jones, the Damian Bird, and the Zach Moss. But Moss still scored a touchdown, which saved me. And like I said, guys, the Millionaire Maker is a complete hack. I would I play one Millionaire Maker in all 50-50s. 
I mean, I tripled my money winning my 50-50s. I didn't place in either Millionaire Maker, which was fine, but I made money at the end of the day, and like I said, if I make money playing DFS 13 weeks, I'm happy, and I made my I made my money for the year. So that's it. So this was kind of kind of be like moving forward. I'll be giving my little reviews Monday morning of each game, my little thought process and everything, where I was right, where I was wrong in fantasy. In terms of this week, Wednesday, I will be recording a podcast with Gino Bacala, kind of giving my thoughts of the games coming up. I won't be giving any bets out, though. Um, in terms of my personal site, every morning, my spreadsheets will be updated, tracking the bets. They're already updated right now. And I will have my weekly fantasy football rankings out every Wednesday night. If you guys are interested in packages, all package details can be found on etof21sports.com. Stay safe, stay well, and I will see you guys on the weekend.